This is a pain information network. So I have uh, Dr. Sheldon Jordan today, Shelly Jordan. He's a neurologist from L.A. area, and it's one of these kind of moments. So we're sitting on a bus leaving Orlando, and uh, it was the medical school there where we just taught a course, and there was a number of instructors there, and we're all kind of tired, you know, (laughs) it goes, you're working hard all day in the lab and then you get on the bus to go to the airport and everybody's kind of got this kind of funk but not dr jordan so he was talking about stuff that absolutely fascinated me exosomes which i have a real interest in and he was talking about uh, a leukemia drug that got shelved and is now a great potential and possible um weapon against alzheimer's and parkinson's you know if you can just stabilize alzheimer's and parkinson's you've won if you get them better it's a game changer and um, a real leap forward so you're going beyond diagnosis you're going to treatment with these uh, really tough neurological diseases and shelley talks about that he talks about uh uh, a, a tremendous amount of wake-up information in about 18 to 20 minutes and is thought-provoking. So this is a thought experiment, and as we will see over the next couple of years, his lab, which does a lot of great research, will probably move a couple of these thoughts forward to treat depression, Parkinson's, other degenerative diseases of the brain, as well as Alzheimer's. So that's a leap, and uh, I think that you're going to really enjoy this podcast because I had the opportunity to listen to him on the bus, and I'm trying to record him, trying to record him, and of course uh, I had that iPhone moment where I just couldn't get there. You know, you can't open an app, you can't do what you need to do right away to catch the moment, and had to catch him at uh, Memphis at the... uh, uh, institute there where we do um, our lab thing and I got to sit down with him and every time I get to sit down with him I've known him for years um, I just get more inspired that uh, medicine is moving forward that minds like this um, that can have these epiphany moments and understand them uh, make sense for all of us to listen to he's a great guy he's down to earth he's humble and really smart. All right, so let's get to it. I have with me uh, Dr. Shelley Jordan today, uh, neurologist uh, from UCLA, and uh, we're here to talk about some uh, really important things, exciting things, and some of the um, types of uh, conversation we're going to have today. Uh, I think is pretty groundbreaking. Uh, Basically, sitting across from me is a genius, so tell me a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm at UCLA. You know, I have a uh, private practice in Santa Monica, California, and um, we have a lot of um, clinical research uh, projects going on that are really uh, quite interesting in terms of uh, bringing new treatments and new modalities to conditions that haven't been uh, easily treatable in the past. So for one thing, um, we're working with um, large numbers of patients that have uh, Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease and other 
degenerative uh, cases. Um, we're also working with patients that have refractory depression. In other words, uh, circumstances where people have failed medications and perhaps have even failed shock therapy or don't want to have shock therapy and they're not getting out of their house and they're um, hopeless and there are ways of um, turning their, their lives around with some of their new techni- technologies that are available. So maybe we can start with the uh, latter group of patients. So Please do. about 15% of um, uh, people in the country um, have had depression at one point or, lo- uh, or another, and only about 25% of them are really successfully treated with medications and with psychotherapy. So one of the newest uh, techniques that have been now for, around for several years is using uh, magnetic treatments, so it's called transcranial magnetic uh, therapy, which we're able to uh, uh, very accurately target uh, using uh, functional MRI scan data from their brains so that you can do a personalized targeting of exactly where the mood areas are and you can turn it around so that um, 70% of these patients will actually go into remission uh, when you do it according to a personalized targeting event. Now in those patients that um, don't even respond to TMS, which is a small number, we're um, doing some uh, seminal research uh, using exosomes to uh, deliver um, uh, growth factors to the parts of the brain that are relevant for depression. What's, a, what's an exosome? So, good question. So, um, people probably know a little bit about stem cells. Um, so, stem cells are cells that reside in everybody's body. And... Um, they actually act on areas of injury to get a repair process and a regenerative process uh, happening. In the old days, we used to think the stem cells actually morph into replacement for the damaged tissues, but actually what they do is they release little packets of growth factors that are called exosomes. And the exosomes actually induce a repair process, a regenerative process, in whatever tissues are actually being exposed to the exosomes. So we found a way to um, deliver these exosomes to various parts of the brain using a technology called focused ultrasound. So we take the, um, the MRI scan data from someone's brain, and based on that, in virtual space, in virtual space we can uh, actually accurately target this ultrasound so that we can... Um, uh, improve the delivery in a very focal way of the exosomes which you're giving intravenously. So you don't have to inject these exosomes directly in the brain, for example. You can give them intravenously, and then with the ultrasound, you can induce the exosomes to go to a particular part of the brain that's relevant for, let's say, depression. Or also we were talking a little bit about um, Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease. So in Alzheimer's disease, they have problems with the memory part of the brain, which is the hippocampus. So we can deliver the exosomes there. And uh, in Parkinson's disease, it's the movement part of the brain, uh, pl- places called the substantia nigra and other places, where you can also induce these exosomes to go to try to uh, get a repair process. So this is um, really breaking information. Um, it's an emerging field. It's very exciting because these exosomes not only have growth factors, but they also carry a way of changing the genetic expression of the cells that they actually end up um, uh, coming close to. So this, this is going to be um, the, the, the future of, um, of neurology and trying to waking up these parts of the brain and getting to, the, to repair. Now, why do you get a functional MRI? So um, 
of course, you can see the shape and size of the brain um, by getting a standard MRI scan. And, of course, if you, you can see if there's areas of injury, like, let's say, an old stroke. But if we're trying to target a particular part of the brain that processes a particular type of function, let's say mood in depression, um, the mood area is in a slightly different place in everybody. Uh, the memory area is in a slightly different place. The place where you make executive decisions, the places where you have your language, everybody's in a li little different place. So in an MRI scanner, you can get people to perform certain kinds of thinking tasks, and you can stimulate the part of the brain that's relevant for that task. And in so doing, you can very accurately find out in any given individual where that process happens. And then once you know exactly where it happens, you can target your therapy specifically to improve that particular function in a very personalized way. Very different than a, a regular MRI. This is a, a, a very advanced MRI, and you have to have specialized eyes to read it, don't you? Yes, and okay. uh, specialized software and hardware. But this is something that has been in academics for many years, um, now this is actually something that can be done in a clinical scanner, and it's uh, readily accessible. Um, again, it's, a, it's an exciting area where we can, we can look at people's brain. We can see where it's dysfunctional. We can, we can compare it in a, in a statistical way with uh, age match controls. So there's a lot of information that we can do, so we can do personalized therapy now. Personalized therapy. You're laying in bed one morning or night or whatever, and you had an epiphany, kind of an aha moment. What was that? So some of these uh, technologies um, that we're, um, we're talking about right now, <laughs> uh, so this is an interesting personal story of how I came to develop some of these technologies, is that, um, you know, I'll read uh, 20 or... 30 uh, articles a day and sometimes I'll read some of these articles and I don't quite um, understand how it's relevant for treating my patients and uh, for example in coming up with this idea of delivering um, exosomes in a focal way to the uh, memory part of the brain and using focus ultrasound to do that um, I was reading papers about focus ultrasound and reading papers about exosomes and in, in a sort of a semi-dream state as I was waking up one morning I was thinking, well, why don't, we, why don't we take these two technologies and marry them together so we can use the focus ultrasound as a way of delivering these regenerative products in a way that doesn't require injecting directly with neurosurgery, which is a way that a lot of the basic research has been done. Really? So what did you do? Well, we, we then um, uh, developed a research uh, uh, program. Uh, we worked with a third-party institutional review board to be sure that we could do this in an ethical way. Right. And we set up a research project, and we've been doing that um, for the last uh, several years. And now we're at a, at a point where we're going to be publishing some of our data. Uh, we're going to be working with the FDA to try to do this in a, in a way that allow us to, to get actually licensing so this can be more readily available in a, uh, in a typical everyday clinical practice as opposed to a research program. So um, I know some of this is proprietary and it's, you know, no time to steal thunder from uh, future academic works, but uh, what can we think about seeing in the future? And I think you found something, didn't you? Some kind of uh, 
shelved agent, and you're yes. using that. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's um, a drug that's out there. Um, a brand name is Bosolif. So this is a, um, a Pfizer drug that has been successfully used for treating a particular kind of leukemia. Um, and it's kind of a niche product because um, compared to a condition uh, that we're considering using this for, like Alzheimer's disease, where there are many millions of people in the United States that be affected, affected by it, or Parkinson's disease, where there's millions of people that are affected by it, the leukemia application was a kind of a niche product, and, it, and it's successful for that, but it, it's you know hardly used uh, compared to... Um, you know, other drugs that might be out there for more uh, common illnesses. Because of the side effects, right? Well, it, 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 it's used for, it was used for treating a particular form of cancer, so there aren't all that many people that have that kind of cancer. It was successful in doing that. However, if you use it in the cancer doses, it does have certain f- side effects, such as diarrhea. And, um, you know, it turns out that um, some basic researchers at uh, Georgetown University had looked at this drug in uh, mouse models of, of Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease, and they looked at it with another drug uh, made by uh, a different company, Novartis, and their drug is called Nilonitib. And they were able to show in the mice models uh, that this can work for treating Alzheimer's disease and, and potentially Parkinson's disease. They chose to go with Nilonitib because the diarrhea uh, side effect with Bosolif was thought to be problematic. Now, this is another thing that happened as an epiphany to me because as I was reading some of the research regarding Bosolif, it turned out that if you just reduce the doses, the side effects did not become problematic. And the doses that we would uh, need to use for treating Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease would be below that threshold that would cause diarrhea. So I had this idea, well, the Georgetown University group went with this other drug because they thought it would be having less problems like diarrhea. But when I realized that you could use this drug without getting diarrhea at a lower dose, it occurred to me that I should go to Pfizer and ask them if we can do an an investigator-initiated study to look at this drug as an application for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. So we've been working on that for the last three years. And... um, the, um, the the Pfizer group has been very happy with some of those results. So we've gotten through a phase one study, which is uh, 40 patients, and it actually it turned out that um, over 30% of the patients actually improved, which was unheard of for Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease in, in our experience. And the other 70%, most of, the, most of them stabilized um, over a couple of year period. Again, not expected. We would have expected these patients to continue to deteriorate and it was only one or two patients that actually got uh, substantially worse um, during the course of observation. So this is a very exciting uh, drug that we're going to be expanding our, uh, our, our trials with this. And uh, hopefully, again, working with the FDA, we can fast-track this drug and make this available in clinical practice. It turns out to be very safe, and it's just a pill that you take in the morning. It's not an, even an IV infusion. Um, easy to take. We really didn't run into much in the way of side effects. And other than getting your blood test checked to be sure that the liver functions stay within uh, normal values, uh, it turns to be very well. It, ter- it turns out to be very well tolerated. Well, uh, that's uh, kind of a 
important point to make because uh, folks sometimes don't realize what Alzheimer's is. It's a bunch of protein that shouldn't be there, isn't it? Right, exactly. So what happens with uh, Alzheimer's disease is uh, clinically uh, there's, there's loss of memory and uh, sometimes patients will have word-finding difficulty and their, their thinking processes would generally slow down. Um, with Parkinson's disease, um, they can also have memory impairment, but the main problem there is they may have a shaking and a stiffness of their movements and a slowness of their walking. But what's fundamentally the similar, the similar problem between these two conditions is that there's an accumulation of toxic proteins in different parts of the brain that are causing the damage. And what happens with the drug that we're talking about, Bosolif, is it appears to work on a step where the protein load is reduced. It turns, among other things, it turns on the body's ability to dispose of these toxic proteins and clear them out so the brain has a chance of recovering. This medication also reduces the inflammatory response and the secondary injury that occurs because the proteins have been floating around causing damage. Pretty remarkable. Um, I know they have the mechanism of action worked out for cancer, but uh, this is probably a work in progress for you, isn't it? Yes. That's all. It sounds like an incredible drug, a breakthrough drug, and uh, this could mean a lot to millions. And you say people are getting better. To what level? So what we looked at um, is um, when, it, when it comes to uh, a, a dementia process, so where people lose their thinking capacity and their memory capacity, we put them in different stages. And um, so uh, the, the least uh, important, the, the least affected stage is what we call a 0.5 stage. It's not even a first-level stage. Is when, when people have minimal cognitive impairment, so they just have some memory impairment, but they're still functioning entirely, then stage one is where people are starting to lose the capability of taking care of themselves. They, need some, they may need some help in navigating. They may need some help in making executive decisions, but they're still able to take care of themselves until in terms of washing and bathing and self-care. Then you start getting into stage two and stage three, where people become increasingly disabled, eventually bedridden, and they get to a point where they don't even recognize their family members. So what we were able to show is that patients can go from a stage one or stage two and go to a better level stage. So they can go from a point where they need help to make decisions and help with their memory to a point where they're more independent. I'm sure you're, you're going to study this, but... I would guess the quicker you get to somebody with this drug, the better. Yes. Oh, man. The best success is in people who are in the mild memory impairment level. And the people who are basically bedridden and can't um, recognize their family members, it's probably there's probably too much brain damage at that point to really get a recovery. Sounds so exciting. Um, what else should I ask you about this stuff? Am I... Am I Leaving anything out, or uh, <laughs> no? I think I think we covered. I think yeah. what we're talking about is we have all these conditions where we could diagnose them in the past, and for for my life as a neurologist, having been doing this over the course of forty years, I was in this mode where I would meet with a family, typically, you know, an older person and either their son or daughter or their spouse. And I was always in the position of saying, Madam or Sir, I'm so sorry. I know what's wrong with you, but I can't help you. 
And this is what you can expect to happen to you and your family as a result of this over the next several years. And that was, for me, a very difficult devastating type of conversation to have with the family. I could still be supportive emotionally. I could take care of the symptomatic needs. You could help them with supportive care. But basically, there was nothing that we could do except watch them become more and more disabled. Now, when I see these people coming in with these conditions, I can say, Madam or Sir, I know what you have, but I think there are ways that we can help you. And it, cha- wow. it changes the whole attitude that you have in meeting these patients. You're right. That's uh, groundbreaking, especially for these, uh, some of these brain diseases that affect millions. So good luck with your research. Uh, we're all real happy that you had an epiphany. <laughs> That's how this stuff works. Uh, drug made for one thing works something else. Uh, uh, just this kind of uh, strange moment in uh, a great thinker's mind. Uh, I'm going to take that application of that drug to a new place, and uh, we thank you for it. How, how do people get in touch with you? Well, I, I have a private practice in Santa Monica, California, so uh, you can look at the website. Um, so uh, it's Sheldon Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, and uh, the contact information will be there, easy to get. S.com? Um, no, that, uh, the, um, the website is actually theneuroassociates.com. The Got it. Thanks for coming on. I, I, I know uh, I cornered you to do this, but... Um, I, I thought this stuff was fascinating, and there'd be a lot of people who want to know about it. Thanks again. All right, thanks a lot. Bye. Uh, yeah, I know. I know you'd enjoy that, and I did, and it was fun putting this together because it was an evolution. It went from last summer. Uh, to the fall where I actually got to sit down with him and don't think I'm not going to sit down with him again Um, folks like this you know they make a difference in medicine it makes it makes me feel good getting up in the morning knowing that uh, from east coast to west coast and all around the world uh, people are really trying to improve the human condition so uh, once again hats off to Shelly Jordan and uh, you know if we can make if we can make progress in brain diseases, the toughest of all, uh, you know, it's a it's a win for the world. So thanks again.